This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Happy Sabbath, everybody. I know it's hard to, from, at least for me to say that um, when I'm about to preach my last sermon here as the associate pastor, as one of your associate pastors. Um, but as I said earlier, Plantation Church has and will continue to have in my heart and in my family's heart a very big space. And, and here's why. Uh, one, uh, this is where our firstborn was welcomed into the world. Uh, yes, uh, he was born in the plantation church. <laughs> High five. That's what I'm talking about. They, he belongs to a plantation. But also, because Plantation Church, uh, when we came to Plantation, we were going through one of the most challenging times in the world. We came in the midst of a pandemic. Sharice uh, was pregnant. She was doing school. We were transitioning from another church. And life was just challenging in so many ways. Uh, but also, because of the many deaths we experienced, um, particularly in my family. Um, two noted ones, my grandmother and also my sister who passed recently. And Plantation as a church provided the, the space for us to grieve effectively and the support that we needed as a, as a family. And so for those two reasons, um, more than others, we will forever uh, be grateful to the Plantation Church. And I can go on and on and on talking about different people and, um, and different groups, but, but the leadership, let me say this, that Plantation as a church and its leadership has the right heart and the right vision for what God wants a church to be. Plantation as a church has the right heart and vision for what God wants a church to be. And I see it in the core of elders. They're, they take responsibility for this church. They are very engaged and active and involved in the work of ministry here. And, and I said to, to, to Elder Angela, um, I've been in ministry since 2013, and uh, the first time I have had an, one of a, my elders visited me in my homes was, was when some elder, a group of elders from Plantation came and visited my family in our home. But also the fellowship we had as, as a team, and, and I learned so much from this core of, of leadership. They allowed me to fail and fail gracefully. I didn't always make the right decisions, and I didn't always got it done how it was to be done. But their support was critical for, for me in shaping my ministry and my pastoral identity. And so I celebrate the leadership of the Plantation Church. The core, its elders, the, the mission council where I, I sat with um, and envisioned the work of God for ministry the COVID task force where we sat together and, and wrestled vigorously, prayerfully about how we can have church but also be safe. Addie and Youth Ministry, Elder Nick and Merge, um, Elder Angela and, and Prayer Ministry, and the loyalties. Let me tell you something. One of the things I'm going to miss, especially for KJ, is, is a Sabbath school. Now, I don't get many chances to see, him, to see him play with other kids because it's a pandemic. But when Sabbath school resumed and I 
got a few chances to peek through the window, uh, uh, Pastor Rose, Pastor Jen, and I saw him playing in that classroom with children, but not just playing, but the, the lessons that, and how they structured time for children in Sabbath school here, I, I knew that it, would, it, it was gonna be a good thing for him, for his development and for his formation. And so I'm gonna miss that. I'm gonna miss that. The leadership of the Lawtons in children's ministry, powerful. I've been to the park and, 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 and see them with, with, with young people, training them to preach training them to sing, training them to be involved in ministry, to use, nurturing their gifts from the very early stages. And when you come, when you talk about using technology in ministry, plantation is at the front of that. When it comes to creating a worship service that is fitting for in person, but also online. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can go on and I can go on. But let me tell you something. Men's ministry in this church, men's ministry in this church, if you are not involved in men's ministry in this church, you need to. If you're online, you need to come. come in. The two leaders, Elder, Elder, Elder Michael and, and Dr. Hugh, in those times when as a man I was in my moments of grieving, those were the two ones day in, day out, texting, calling, encouraging. And, and, and um, the, the hues, they were, they, were, they were like fire to my tail. They, 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 when, when I was stubborn or slow to make the right decisions, and, and they knew it was, were the right decisions because of their own experience in life. They were there supporting and pushing me along the way. I can go on and on and on about people in this congregation and how you have shaped my life. And I know I'm human, so I'm going to forget some names. And, and um, you, should, you should curse me because um, you deserve to be named. <laughs> but if I forget your name, know that it's only because I'm human. But this, this church, this church, Plantation, is a part of my life forever. Elder Mo, Elder Jack, and, and, and the, the leadership that they brought to the table, next to none. Pastor Joe, when he was here, welcomed me in, and he said to me when I, when I came in, he said to me, listen, don't be afraid to fail. Come in, explore, and do ministry. And then Pastor Jen, we, I came in, and, and as she mentioned earlier, we knew each other from, from our conference trainings. But when I came in here, we built a bond, a bond around, con, about, about common grief, but also the desire to serve effectively in ministry. And she calls me her battle buddy, and I call her the same. We were always praying together on the phone, talking, praying. About, about difficult decisions, praying together uh, uh, about the work of the church here. But this church is a movement. Pastors come and pastors go. And I want to let you know that in a short period of time I spent with Pastor Rose, here's what I want to highlight about him. His spiritual maturity as a person. I'm not just talking about him as a pastor. His spiritual maturity as a person, it comes out in his decision-making. It comes out in, in his, his posture, how he relates to us as associate pastors. And I'm telling you, this church is in good hands with the pastoral team you have. Good hands. Pastor Jen with her caring heart. Pastor Rose with, with his spiritual maturity as a leader, as a preacher, as a pastor, as a person. So I'm gonna miss you all, but I'm not worried because this is God's church. I think I just preached my sermon, I can sit down now. <laughs> pastor Rose, this is God's church. And I'm not worried because this is God's church and the church is in very good hands. Very good hands.
Okay, so let me hold back the tears and, and go to the sermon. Matthew, 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 Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, but I'm going to read a few verses only. I'm going to read verses 31 through 33, and also the last verse, 46. Here's how it reads from the ESV version. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered the nations, and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Verse 46. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. My message is entitled today, Until the Kingdom Comes. Pray with me and for the preacher. Loving God, as we stand before your word, may your spirit be our teacher. Open our hearts and our minds to the power of your word, the presence of your spirit, so we can be transformed and changed. I stand now with the assurance that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because you have anointed me to preach. And so as I preach this word, feed your sheep through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Until the kingdom comes. Until the kingdom comes, I also want to celebrate having my mother with me. And you will hear, you've heard me speak about her many times, her work ethic. Uh, I want to say publicly thanks to her for uh, the difficult task she did of raising me on her own without a father. And uh, I saw her use her own hands to turn concrete just to put a roof over her heads. She worked diligently and uh, very hard. And so to my mom, thank you for your love and support that I could be at this place embracing the ministry of God. But I also want to thank those two little people over there. One is called Kaven, he's sleeping, and one is called Sharice, my wife. They have been a strong tower um, throughout this time, and I bless God for them and their love and support. And so until the kingdom comes, I will be, by God's grace, grateful for all of you and your support. So, Until the Kingdom Comes is the title of my sermon. Now, on the day I was installed here as, the, as one of the associate pastors of, of, of this church, I preached a sermon entitled, Your Kingdom Come. I preached the sermon as the first episode of a series on kingdom life. That sermon was based on the model sermon in, in Matthew chapter 6. And for me, that sermon was my prayer as we began work, walking together as pastor and people. In that sermon, we explored what it means when we pray to God for God's kingdom to come. And we found that when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we are asking God to transform our lives by God's presence, God's power, and God's principles. And since we, we prayed for God's kingdom to come, it was important for us to identify when and where the kingdom of God will come among us. So later in the year, I preached another sermon entitled, Locating the Kingdom. 
That sermon was focused on Jesus' response to the Pharisees' question about when the kingdom would come. That sermon informed us based on three possible interpretations of the Greek transliteration entus hymen, that the kingdom of God is a dynamic reality, being being present, yet it is coming. That sermon helped us to identify the kingdom of God as a spiritual reality coming within us, as an ethical reality coming among us, and also as an eschatological reality within our grasp. Today, our scripture focuses on the last dimension of God's kingdom, the eschatological reality. The parable we're looking at is the only text in the New Testament to provide details of what it will look like when Jesus comes, when when the kingdom of God comes as an eschatological reality, or better yet, an eschatological reckoning, or more simpler, the last day of judgment. It depicts Jesus coming as king over the nations, and he's separating the people as shepherd, as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. The sheep on his right and the, and the goats on his left. Jesus then invites those on his right to inherit the kingdom of God and eternal life. But he expels those on his left into the darkness of judgment. The parable, beloved, depicts the coming of God's kingdom as an eschatological reality within our reach, the last judgment scene where Jesus comes as king to judge his people. Hear what I'm saying to you. The kingdom of God is coming when Jesus will judge and separate us into eternal life or eternal punishment. And so the question I I have for us, beloved, as we contemplate the coming of Jesus Christ as judge, the question I I have for us is, when Jesus comes, when the kingdom comes as, as an eschatological reality, when Jesus comes to judge us, will we be on his right or will we be on his left? When Jesus comes in power and in glory to judge us, Where will we be? Will will we be welcomed sheep? Or will we be cast out goats? When Jesus comes in his kingdom, the question I want us to ponder is, will we inherit eternal life or experience eternal punishment? Beloved, you and I know that once we exist in this world, There are only three things that are certain. Life, death, and the judgment. Jesus is coming as king to judge. And there are two ways we can respond to this judgment scene. Two ways. Here's the first of them. The first way we can respond to the fact that Jesus is coming as king to separate goat, sheep from goat, uh, eternal life and eternal punishment, the first way to respond is to, to live fearful of the judgment. That's the first way to respond, to, to live fearful of the judgment. Now, uh, it's a frightening fact and a, a sad scene to witness that Jesus, who is the savior of the world, will also come to judge the world. But the reality is we all have to give account for the lives we are now living and will live. Yet, beloved, we should not fear, we should not live in fear of the judgment because fear paralyzes us. Fear cripples us. Living in fear is is, is being like the one talent man 
who took his master's resources, digged a hole and, and, and planted it there instead of using the resources to fulfill God's purposes in his life. And that one talent man was cast out like a goat into utter darkness. We do not have to fear. We don't have to fear the judgment, beloved, because hear me why? Because Jesus, the one who is, is Lord, is also king in the judgment. You see, if the kingdom of God comes within us as a spiritual reality and we crown Jesus as king of our lives, as Lord of our lives, we do not need to fear the judgment because our king will also be the judge. Now, I've been talking about this judgment, you know, Jesus coming to separate a, a, a sheep from goat, eternal life, eternal punishment. But, but what is the criteria by which Jesus will judge us? And what basis will Jesus judge us as his people? Let's hear what the text has to say about that. Now, now notice something. Notice the similarities and the differences in Jesus' conversation with the welcomed sheep and the cast out goats. Notice this. The welcomed sheep on the right and the cast out goats on the left, both of them saw someone needing the basic necessities of life. Food, water, clothing, hospitality, care, and companionship. But notice also, those on the right and those on the left, they both acknowledge the king as Lord, suggesting that the kingdom of God came within them as a spiritual reality, and Jesus was now crowned king of their lives. They accepted Jesus as their Lord. But here's the, the difference. Even though both groups, those on the right, those on the left, professed and accepted Jesus as Lord of their lives, only those on the right saw him and ministered to him. Only those on the right, yes, they ministered to Jesus. Yes. So Jesus, he said to them, welcome, welcome into my Father's kingdom to those on the right. Welcome and in inherit eternal life. But then they, they, they say to him, wait, 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 Jesus. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you naked? When were you in prison and we, we visited you or we cared for you? Uh-uh, Jesus. You are Lord. We didn't see you. All we saw was some needy people. We didn't see you. Maybe you're mistaken, Jesus. Jesus then turns to them on the left, the cast out goats, and says to them, away to you in eternal punishment and utter darkness. And they say, Lord, I don't understand this. When did we see you hungry or thirsty and didn't minister to you? You can imagine them thinking, Lord, if I had known that ministering to the hungry, giving clothes to the naked, was ministering to you, then Lord, you know we would have done it. Ah, brothers and sisters, that's it. Both of them, those on the right and those on the left, they were both shocked by Jesus' response. Both were surprised to realize that in caring for the needy, they were caring for Christ. Both were surprised that Jesus, he doesn't identify with the powerful, with the rich, with the well-known, with the classy. Jesus identifies with the poor and needy. Jesus, beloved, responds to them and they were all surprised. But why should they be surprised? We shouldn't be surprised that caring for the needy is caring for Jesus. Because when we were in need, when we needed a savior, 
when sin held us captive, when we couldn't lose ourselves, Jesus saw that we needed saving grace. And he left the role, the, his, his role, his, his, his room of, up in heaven. And he came to Calvary and he died a sinner's death, the death that we should have died. Why should he be surprised? But caring for the needy is caring for Christ. When Jesus saw us in our need and cared for us. Ah, help me, Jesus. The songwriter says, if you could have seen what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, I know you would see a miracle of love that took this sinner in its sweet embrace. And now I stand here, only a sinner saved by grace. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that Jesus saw my need and died on my behalf. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that Jesus died for me. He took my place. He took your place. He took your place. And I'm so glad that Jesus is my Savior. I'm so glad, beloved, that Jesus looked down the halls of history of time and saw that, that McCoy would need a Savior. Jesus saw that my mama's prayers, my grandmother's prayers, uh, my nobody else's prayers, Pastor uh, Rose's prayers, Pastor Jen's prayers couldn't save me. Uh, Pastor uh, Angela, as, as powerful as she is, Ella uh, Dean, as powerful as, as she is, Ella uh, Barbara, as powerful as she is in prayer, none of that could save me. The only thing that could save me was the blood of Jesus. I'm so glad for the blood. The blood that never loses its power. Oh, I'm so glad for the blood that flowed from Emmanuel's vein. I'm so glad that Jesus saw my need and he rescued me. How did I get there? So, both were, were shocked by Jesus' response. But let me go back to where I was. According to this parable, and hear the preacher, according to this parable, the criteria for judgment on the last day, the criteria when the kingdom of God comes as an eschatological reckoning will not be justifying faith. We will not be judged by our faith in Jesus. Here's why. The welcomed sheep on the right and the cast out goats on the left, both of them acknowledged Jesus as Lord. Both of them said, Lord, Lord. So it's not a matter of faith. It's not a matter about the faith we profess. It's not about the, just about the kingdom of God coming to us as a spiritual reality within us. That's not the only thing. For when the kingdom of God, listen, when the kingdom of God came among them as an ethical reality, when they saw the need of someone, only those on the right did something and ministered to those needs. When both groups had the opportunity to live by the commands of the Lord that they profess. Only those welcomed on the right fulfilled their Lord's command. And you may ask me, Pastor, what's that command? Well, well, plantation knows. Because plantation has been on a journey to love God, to love neighbor, and to make disciples of people. That's a combination of the great commandment and the great commission. And so the command here is the great command. The great command is to love God and to love neighbor. Their ethical responsibility, those on the right and those on the left, their ethical responsibility was to love God and love neighbor, but only those on the right fulfilled the law. And so hear me, when Jesus comes, he will not be judging us based on the profession of our faith. 
Jesus will judge us based on how we live in response to the law of love. I want to be very clear. When I talk about the law of love, the law of love is not about serving those who can serve me. The law of love is not about giving to those who can give to me. No, no. That's the law of reciprocity. We spoke about that in another sermon. The law of love, brothers and sisters, is serving those who don't have the resources or ability to serve me. That's what they miss in the parable. That's what those on the left miss, but those on the right got right. The law of love, beloved, is showing mercy to the needy. Fulfilling the law of love is showing mercy to the needy. So hear me now, hear me now, brothers and sisters. We might not have the time, and I know how America is, capitalism is, we have to work all the time. We might not have the time to care for the sick, nor visit the prisoner, but we might have the resources or the ability to give water to the thirsty, food to the hungry, and clothes to the naked. But we might not have, because of capitalism too, we might not have the resources to give to the needy, clothe the naked, or, or, or give food to the hungry, or water to the thirst. But we might have the time to care for the sick, or visit the prisoner. And even if we might not have the time to care for the sick or visit the prisoner, nor the resources to give water to the thirsty, or food to the hungry, or clothe the naked, we can welcome the stranger. That's the key in living the law of love, welcoming the stranger, the one who is in need. In other words, we will be judged based on if we do what we are able to do. It's as simple as that. The law of love is about, do, did we share, did we give, did we do what we can or have the ability to do? And we'll be judged, brothers and sisters, based on that one simple fact. Jesus, when Jesus comes in his kingdom, when the, the kingdom comes as an eschatological reckoning, when Jesus comes as judge to separate sheep from goat, eternal life and eternal punishment, Jesus will only judge us on how we live out the law of love. Now, earlier, I mentioned that there are two ways to respond to the fact that Jesus, the Savior, is coming to judge. There are two ways. I mentioned that the first way is to live fearful of the judgment. The first way is to live fearful of the judgment. But if you notice in the parable, those on the right who were invited into the kingdom, they didn't act out of fear of the judgment not expectation of reward. Their motive was not based on punishment nor reward. Rather, they simply did what they were able to do or given the opportunity to do, care for the needy. All they did was to live faithfully to the law of love. All they did, beloved, was to live faithfully to the law of love by loving their neighbor. They, they, they showed and manifested their love for God. By performing acts of, of mercy, they, perform, they, they professed their faith in Jesus Christ. And that's how they ended up in the kingdom. So, so listen to the preacher carefully. Listen to your, your, your associate pastor one more time. Living faithfully to the law of love is the key to getting into God's kingdom. Living faithfully to the law of love, that's what we embrace as a church plantation, loving God, loving other. When we live faithfully to the law of, God, of love, we have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So hear me now, beloved. It's not just about the faith we profess. Uh, Pastor Rose, Brother Andrew, Pastor Mike, it's not just about what we profess to believe. I know as Adventists we are well educated in the Bible. We know the Ten Commandments. 
We know the laws of health. We know the prophetic um, teachings of the Bible. But hear me, that's not what Jesus, that's not the criteria for getting into the kingdom. It's not even saying that we believe in Jesus. It's not the faith we profess, but the faith we practice will determine if we get into God's kingdom. So hear me, beloved. Until the kingdom comes, until the kingdom comes, two paths lie before us. Until the kingdom comes, two choices lie before us. Until the kingdom comes, two decisions are before us. Until the kingdom comes as an eschatological reckoning, when Jesus will separate us as, as, as sheep and goat, two decisions lie before us. We can either live fearful of the judgment and be like the cast out goats, or we can live faithful to the law of love and be like the welcome sheep. Today though, this very day, this very day as we, as we are in God's presence, God is calling us to live faithful to the law of love. Brothers and sisters, until the kingdom comes, all that God requires of us is to live, is to live faithful to the law of love and not fearful about the judgment. So, Elder Fred, until the kingdom comes, let us love God. Sister Roxanne, until the kingdom comes, let us open our hearts to the coming of God's kingdom as a spiritual reality within us. Until the kingdom comes, those who have not yet accepted Jesus as Lord of your lives, you have the opportunity to crown him king of your lives. Until the kingdom comes, those of us who have already accepted Jesus, we have the opportunity to nurture our spiritual relationship with Jesus. Until the kingdom comes, we have the opportunity to love upon Jesus. Until the kingdom comes, until the kingdom comes as an eschatological reckoning where Jesus, the Savior and Judge, will separate sheep from goat into eternal life and eternal punishment until the kingdom comes. Let us, beloved, love our neighbors. Until the kingdom comes, let us open our hearts be aware of when the kingdom comes among us as an ethical reality. When people are in need, we should fulfill our ethical responsibility until the kingdom comes. Let us minister to the needy as Jesus ministered to us. Until the kingdom comes, beloved, we are called to live faithfully to the law of love. But I want to end right here. The kingdom of God is already coming. I told you the kingdom of God comes as a spiritual reality within us. The, spirit of the, the kingdom of God comes as an ethical reality among us. And the kingdom of God comes as an eschatological reality within our reach. Can I inform you? Can I remind you? that the kingdom of God as a dynamic reality is coming and is still coming, has come and is still coming. The kingdom of God is already coming. It is here. When we invite Jesus as our savior, the kingdom of God comes within us. When we care for our brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God comes among us. The judgment has begun already and that's why it makes no sense living fearful of the judgment. It's here already. Because we'll be judged if we accept Jesus and if we profess faith in Jesus and if we practice our faith in Jesus. That's the basis of the judgment. Jesus has come. People among us and around us are in need. There are problems in the world. The world is in trouble. And when we pray, your kingdom come, it's not just about heaven. We're talking about God's power, God's presence, and God's principles being manifested in this world by us, God's people. So the judgment is happening. The, ju the, 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 the judgment is already happening. 
The kingdom of God is already coming. But until the kingdom comes, until the kingdom comes, let us love upon Jesus. Until the kingdom comes, let us love upon each other. Ah, I gotta, you heard me say it many times before, but I just need to say it one more time before I leave plantation. The kingdom of God came in my grandmother. She was a woman of God. And as I watched her live her own Christian life, uh, there's no way I could resist the kingdom of God coming within me. And so I, I, I owe my faith to my grandmother's faith in Jesus. The kingdom of God, yes, is here already and has come as a spiritual reality. But I also have to thank God that the kingdom of God, though it came among us as an ethical reality with problems and, and, and troubles and needs, I have to give God thanks for my mother who raised me without a father. The kingdom of God was shown to me in her life. How she cared for her children. Worked hard and supported them. Put a roof over their heads. Sent them to school with little or nothing. And so beloved, until the kingdom comes, until the kingdom comes, we still have opportunity. The judgment is going on. It will come in its fullness when Jesus comes, but until the kingdom comes, until Jesus comes in his kingdom, we have opportunity to accept Jesus. And we have opportunity to care for others. And so I don't know who is in the congregation today. I don't know who is online, but hear me, brothers and sisters, until the kingdom comes, you need to accept Jesus. Until the kingdom comes, we need to care for each other. Until the kingdom comes as a reckoning when Jesus will separate us into sheep and to goats. We have a responsibility, we have an opportunity to love upon God and love upon people. Angela, until the kingdom comes, I don't know when I leave this building I'm going to see you again. Pastor Rose, until the kingdom comes, Pastor Jen, until the kingdom comes, I don't know if I'm going to see you again when I leave this building. Pastor Mike, brothers and sisters online in TV land, brothers and sisters in the Plantation Church, when I leave from this pulpit, I don't know if I will see you again until the kingdom comes. But until the kingdom comes, until that time comes, I'm going to love upon my Jesus. I'm going to give him my all. I'm going to surrender my all to him. I'm going to give it all to Jesus. Until the kingdom comes, I'm going to hold your hand. Brother James, I don't have my glasses, but is it Brother James? Yeah, Elder James, yes, it's him. <laughs> until the kingdom comes, I'm going to be wearing glasses. <laughs> until the kingdom comes. Beloved Plantation, we have a wonderful opportunity to do what Jesus did for us. Love. Love. Until the kingdom comes. I don't know if I'm going to see you, but I hope when I do see you, I hope when the kingdom comes in his glory, when Jesus comes as king, we won't be cast out like goats but all of us together because we have loved upon Jesus and loved upon each other Jesus will welcome us in the kingdom like sheep until the kingdom comes let us love Christ alone, our hope is found. Here we go, let's sing. In Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. 
presence of God in helpless space. Skip the blood. Skip the blood. Righteousness. plantation has the right heart and the right vision the right atmosphere this is what God wants the church to be beloved like like many of you I pray this prayer very often may your kingdom come may your will be done I pray for God's presence God's power and God's principles to come in my life and I know you do the same but the kingdom has the, com- the kingdom is already coming. The kingdom is already coming, and so we have two decisions, two paths lie before us. And the reality is, we have only one. I'm, I'm suggesting one choice. So I'm going to take the, f- the second one. Uh, fear of the judgment. I'm going to put it in a box. I'm going to lock the box, and I'm going to throw away the key in the forest depths of the sea. Don't, don't look over there. Don't go there. Don't go where fear is. Come where faithfulness is. Faithfulness to the law of love. And so today in this congregation, the kingdom of God is coming to someone as a spiritual reality for the first time. You have not yet accepted Jesus as your savior, but you want to crown him Lord of your life. If you're in the congregation right now, 
or if you're online, you can text 954-388-8780. We will call you, we will pray with you, we will study with you, we will baptize you, we will, we will do everything to get you into the kingdom. But if you're in church right now, I invite you to stand on my right. In church, and you have not accepted Jesus as your savior, stand in this honoring place like a welcome sheep. Stand on my right hand. If you're in church, not yet giving your life to Jesus, and you want to welcome Christ in your heart as a spiritual reality, the kingdom of God, come on my right hand. Don't, don't look over here. Don't, don't. We, we've locked the box. We've, we, we've thrown away the key. We are focusing on faithfulness. That's the first call. The second call is to those of us who have already accepted the kingdom of God within us as a spiritual reality. So the second call to, to, to us is be alert, be aware, be responsive to when the kingdom of God comes among us as an ethical reality. Let us fulfill our responsibility to care for each other. It's not just about the faith we profess, it's about the, also about the faith we practice. And so plantation, are we committing by God's grace to love God and love neighbor? Are we promising to God to live out this law of love faithfully, plantation? Let us pray together. Loving Father, I pray that your kingdom will come. Come as a spiritual reality in those who have not yet accepted you as Lord and your Savior. Come among us who have already accepted your, you are saving our lives as, a, as an ethical responsibility where we care for each other. Because we know your kingdom is already coming. The judgment is already happening. But until the kingdom comes in its fullness as an ethic, as an eschatological reckoning, may all of us live faithfully to the law of love and not fearfully of the judgment. This is our asking. In the name of the three in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Let the people of God say, This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.